This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. Scripture is holy. It is sanctified, set apart from any and all other writings that we have ever had and will ever exist. Self-esteem, that is a satanic idea. You're not as important as you think you are. If you have no desire to know who God is, then can you even be sure that he knows you? The gates of hell itself, or the coronavirus itself, will not stand against Jesus building his church. This is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us a man who knows the truth. One man, Jew and Gentile, bond and free. One, there is no race in Christ Jesus. Oh, how a man needs to fear God that that man might cling to his word. Give us some preachers who aren't tripping over their skirt to get into the pulpit. What's wrong with you people? This is Matter of Theology that place where theology matters because everything is a matter of theology. I'm Drew, your host, and I'm here, of course, with my co-host, Chris, my partner in crime. Josh, unfortunately, could not be with us. They are working him to death over at Lowe's. Uh, so pray for him. Uh, we hope that he will get a new schedule. He'll be able to come back here more consistently. Uh, we miss him. But we are a podcast production that seeks to approach the church and culture from a biblical standpoint. We are on Patreon, so if you would like to partner with us, head on over to patreon.com slash matter of theology and become a subscriber. Also, Chris, you know what? Yes, sir. We have a new Patreon supporter. We do. I almost forgot this. Man, you can't do that. I know. And part of being a Patreon is you get a, a show shout out. Yep. So. This is, I'm kind of biased against this one because it's my mom. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, we've only been on Patreon for I don't know how long, but she just now became a subscriber. Thanks, Mama Vanita. So, we appreciate it. So my mother, Kimberly, um, she'll probably yell at me for calling her Kimberly, but thank you for your support. It's a we good name, man. We appreciate it. Yeah. That, you know, yeah. I had a feeling you'd probably be partial to that too. Um Anyways, we're also members of the Christian Podcast community. If you would like more Christian podcasts, head on over to strivingforeternity.org. They have a huge variety, a huge catalog of other Christian podcasts. Also, we hope that you plan on attending the Cruciform Conference on Holiness, October 23rd and 24th in Indianapolis, Indiana. Yes, sir. There will also be a pre-conference on abortion with Anthony Mathenia, and we, Matter of Theology, will be doing a recording pre-conference as well. Those speakers include Justin Peters, Anthony Mathenia, Gabe Hughes, and Jeffrey Johnson, and that's just to name a few. There's gonna, there's a whole lineup Man, there of is, people yeah. there. Uh, so tickets are available at cruciformministries.org. But on today's episode. We are returning to our look at ecclesiology, that is the study of the church, and the topic that we want to look at today is that of discipleship. Now, this is something that is often neglected today, resulting in a lack of mature followers of Christ. 
Uh, but right now I'm going to turn it over to Chris because I know he's got a lot to say on this and he's going to be introducing our special guests. So Chris, go ahead. Thank you, brother. Um, yeah, something I've been thinking about this year a lot and especially over the last few months is this question, who or what is discipling you? Uh, much like the, the concept of worship, uh, right? We're always, uh, all the time, we're being discipled by someone or something. So again, I, I wanted to ask each and every single one of us this question, who or what is discipling you? And in 2020, we've seen the, the, the gamut, the, the, this incredible milieu of fear and lies run rampant through society and culture and even the church. We've seen what the effects of being disciples of the world, worldly systems, worldly ideologies, and, and all the above, what that can do to us. And ultimately, the questions that, that everyone, as believers in Christ, if we call ourselves Christians, we face every day. Who will we listen to and to whom will we obey, Christ and his word or the world? So again, who or what is discipling you? And unfortunately, the evangelical church in some areas really has done a terrible job at true discipleship. Um, everything from the seeker-sensitive, pragmatic downgrade to those who have bought into these worldly ideologies that have contributed to an absolutely anemic condition when it comes to the growth and holiness of true believers. And you also see pastors and elders that have discarded their God-given charge found in Acts 20, 28 through 31, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4, to shepherd the flock of God that have been entrusted to them by the mercy of God. And of course, that's 2 Corinthians 4, 1. So the writer of Hebrews in, in, in chapter 13 called those in the church to obey their leaders and to submit to them. And, and why? Well, because they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. So we wanted to have a conversation um, about this. And and I started thinking, and Drew and I were talking about, man, uh, somebody who, man, who does this, um, whose, whose specific job and role is a pastor, a discipleship pastor. And so we want to welcome to the Matter of Theology podcast, Mr., and this guy needs no introduction for our listeners because we refer to you guys all the time, Virgil, uh, Mr. Virgil Walker. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Hey, man, thanks for, thanks for, I, I, see, I see the applause, I see the applause. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate, appreciate it, man. It, it, honored to be here, excited to be joining uh, you guys to talk about discipleship. I get the, I, I don't get the opportunity very often um, to talk about the area of work that I actually do um, on a, on a regular basis. I mean, uh, you know, we're always on just thinking, Daryl and I are always talking about you know, either social justice or other issues in the culture. And so um, I got, I got, I kind of got excited about being able to come on and talk about that, which I actually do uh, for, for a regular job and for a living. So excited to, excited to join you guys, man. Well, brother, it is, uh, it is our pleasure, man. And that's, man, and that's, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, after you and I had conversations at G3 this year, um, talking about having you on and, uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, I mean, you and Daryl uh, have have and continue um, to hold it down and to keep right in front of uh, of of those in the invisible church and anybody who wants to listen um, the, the truth concerning, uh, you know, critical race theory, social justice, uh, Black Lives Matter, 
whiteness. Uh, that's, that's an episode I, I visit back uh, multiple times, especially right now. Um, but yeah, man, we wanted to have you on and, and just to talk about that, the, 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 the topic of discipleship. And, um, and because you do it each and every day, uh, there at, uh, and, and your church's name is West Westside church, Westside church. Yep. Westside church, Omaha, Nebraska. Yep. Yeah, man. So why don't, uh, if you don't mind, would you mind, uh, would you mind? I asked you twice. Um, just giving our listeners, man, just kind of a, kind of a brief background, um, as far as man, your, your testimony and what the Lord's, you know, been doing in your life and, and leading up to you being the discipleship pastor there at, the, yeah. at Westside. Oh man, well thanks. I'll, I'll I'll try to do my best to make that brief so we can get into some other stuff. Um, I I always like to talk less about me and more about other stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, I understand. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I I came to Christ in high school. A uh, young guy uh, by the name of John Lindsay, dear dear brother, friend of mine, uh, came back after a summer uh, away, a very serious focus on faith, and uh, I thought maybe you know he he you know kind of worked himself out of it. I thought maybe this was a, this was a fluke. And sure enough, he got very, very serious about his faith and about what that meant and uh, had really given his life over to Christ. Uh, he would evangelize me during the course of the, um, that, that semester. Uh, long story short, I would eventually um, come to Christ uh, in, in October, October 18th. I won't give the year because that'll tell you too much about how old I actually <laughs> But, um, but yeah, I would come to faith in high school, man, and um, got serious about it then. And uh, there was so much I didn't know. Um, but what I did know, I believed uh, God did uh, rescue my heart, uh, saved me from my sin. I knew that I was a sinner in need of a savior, uh, that it was only by grace through faith in Christ alone, uh, that I would come to salvation through repentance and faith in him. Um, and so I would be baptized shortly thereafter. Uh, and, and I even attended a Christian college uh, for a number of years. Um, fast forward to where I would, I would meet my, my wife uh, in, um, uh, in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, I had, reg- I, I say regressed because I was in a, I was in a, I got saved. This, is, this will be really eclectic for you. I got saved in a church of Christ, right? With no instrumentation. Uh, but my background was Kojic, Church of God in Christ. If you know anything yeah. about Black Pentecostals, uh, Church of Christ was a far cry from Church of God in Christ. Yeah. And so uh, I, I would get back home from my uh, Church of Christ college and tell my parents about why tongues wasn't for today and why they, you know, they needed to be be baptized in order to be saved. And so uh, just a mixed match mess that I was in. I would get home and find myself in more charismatic and word of faith circles. Uh, I was actually uh, I actually attended uh, Carlton Pearson's church. For those who may may or may not know Carlton Pearson, Carlton Pearson, there's a Netflix uh, movie made about him and his heretical ways uh, called Come Sunday. So if you ever go and take a look at Come Sunday on Netflix, I was there at the height, at the zenith of all of that uh, crazy chaos. I, mean, I could tell you stories that make your hair, light your hair on fire. Um, so it did that for quite some time, stayed in charismatic circles, would meet my wife at, at higher dimensions. Um, and she was a student at old Roberts university. So man, I mean, I'm, I'm a long way off the beaten path. Right. And, uh, we are, we are just navigating the, the word of faith, charis, charismania, charismania circles. Yeah. Um, we would, we would get married and eventually move, uh, to Omaha, Nebraska. 
um, where we live now. And uh, it would be a lengthy process, but God, again, uh, by his grace and providence, would, would, would just mm. would just arrest my heart and uh, had me recognize that all the stuff that I had believed uh, just wasn't true. A lot of the things that I'd been taught about the word of God just wasn't clear. And I know we're going to talk about discipleship, but this really speaks volumes into uh, what a lack of discipleship yes, yes. In, in, in our lives actually does and the, mm-hmm. the impact that it has for the negative. I, mm-hmm. I was drinking down like water, all kinds of false doctrine and false ideas because I wasn't properly discipled. No one sat mm-hmm. me down and showed me what the Bible meant by what the Bible said. Yeah. Um, so I would, I would, uh, I'd be here, uh, at a, at a Baptist church and, uh, hold on one second. I'd be here at a Baptist church, um, and, uh, eventually would find myself, um, really studying the word of God, studying apologetics, mm. um, trying to understand what, you know, what I believed, why I believed it, uh, which again, I'm one of those guys who once I learn, I go do. Um, so I was on the street corners sharing faith. Uh, talking to people at the abortion mill, doing the same thing, um, and eventually uh, would would take all of the things that I learned about apologetics and apply it to my background in history and the Word of Faith movement, um, and, and 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 eventually would see the error of my way. While I was doing this, I spent a lot of time uh, teaching at my church at, at the local church that I was a part of, um, and uh, I was in I was in pharmaceutical sales at the time, uh, which is what brought me actually to Omaha, Nebraska. And uh, I, I would have, I would eventually uh, really begin as, as I turned 40 years old, I thought, what is it I really want to do with the rest of my life? Mm. Um, and I knew that, that the area of, of that, that I was in and pharmaceutical sales, I was managing a team of nine people across three different states. Uh, while, while financially it was a blessing, uh, it definitely was not fulfilling. And I, I finally submitted myself to a call uh, to, to, to full-time ministry that I felt early on. My church would eventually uh, reach out to me and ask me if I was interested in coming on staff. Uh, and I, I said no at first, um, primarily because I didn't see how they would be able to afford me. Uh, right, right. And, and, and truth be told, they, they didn't and haven't. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, man, God had to kind of humble me and say, okay, here's, here's what life now looks like as a, as a result. And, uh, with that adjusted income and lifestyle and all of that. And, uh, I've now been on staff at Westside for, uh, coming up on six years. Um, and, uh, and it's been awesome. I, so in the area of ministry at Westside, uh, I, I'm, I provide oversight. Our church is about Westside's about pre COVID, uh, church size was about 2,500. We had three Mm -hmm. campuses. It's an Amen. SBC. Yeah, uh, I yeah. provide oversight for all of the theological education for, at the time, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of just north of about 95 different groups, wow. uh, providing theological education, uh, providing all kinds of oversight, teaching, training, and the like as they uh, navigate um, the, the Bible studies and different life groups that we, that we have at our church. So that gets, that gets you all the way up to speed. There you go, man. There you go, brother. Thank you for sharing all that, man. I really, I really appreciate that, man. That's cool to see uh, where the Lord brings us and what he um, allows us to go through and experience uh, to prepare us for the next season that he has for us, uh, ultimately for his glory. So man, brother, that's awesome. That is awesome, man. Um, 
Well, and, and just kind of getting into this, um, you know, th there are, are a couple of just points uh, uh, that I wanted to walk us through and, and, uh, and you guys feel free to jump in at any time um, is, uh, is kind of the theology of discipleship, um, what it means to be a disciple, and then the practical side of that, um, you know, the, 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 the practice of discipleship. Um, and so just kind of getting into to the theology of discipleship and asking the question, you know, what is a disciple? Uh, the dictionary defines it this way. It says a disciple is a personal, and this is literally from the dictionary. Uh, when I read this, I was like, oh, wow. A personal follower of Jesus during his life, especially one of the 12 apostles. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I was kind of shocked about that. Um, and then under that, it said a follower uh, or student of a teacher, leader, or philosopher. And then when you look in the thesaurus, uh, some synonyms of, of disciple, of course, is apostle, follower, um, adherent, believer, admirer, devotee, acolyte. I love that. That's a fun word. Um, pupil, student, learner, upholder, supporter, advocate, uh, apologist, uh, even. Uh, and, and, and Virgil Drew is big into apologetics as well. Um, huge into apologetics. I'm, um, I'm moving more into textual criticism, though. Wow. No, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, thanks. Bro. I try to get Chris on this all the I try to get Chris to talk about it all the time. He doesn't want to. No, that stuff hurts my head. I'm yes. thankful for the guys who do it, man. But that stuff hurts my head. Man. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I, uh, brother, uh, you, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I have my hats off to guys like, mm. like James White and, no doubt. and others who, who can. No can th that's the way their brain thinks. That's the way his brain thinks. I'm just like, that's mm, nope. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing, brother. Uh, so but go yeah, ahead, Drew. Go you ahead. know, just uh, you know, you're you're listening off, you know, those those synonyms, uh, you know, reading the definition. You know, let's get into some of the, and those are good. But let's, I think we should move into what Scripture says about it, right? Absolutely, and, man. And you know, I think about you, you know listening to Paul Washer one time at G three when he's there, he's talking about being in Bible college and they're going through attributes of God, yeah, and he says we haven't said anything about God unless we define all those terms biblically. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so let's get into the text as, as much as I love, I guess, Webster's dictionary, right? <laughs> let's get into it. So now, uh, you know, I wasn't going to leave it there. <laughs> oh, oh, I know, I know, I know. But, uh, so, so the term disciple in the Greek methetes, yep. um, is actually, uh, it, it takes what, let's take what you said, because that dictionary actually defines it correctly but, right. so it's a learner but yep. what we see in scripture is it's a learner that becomes conformed to the way of his teacher yes. so, so we would say like the disciples the 12 disciples they were taught by christ in order to become like christ absolutely bro that that's I, I love that as a start i mean that's that's a that's a beautiful way to kind of unpack it and I think the reality is, uh, and again, I don't want to jump ahead of, of where you guys are wanting to go. I, I, go for I, it. I'll do my best to stay within the framework of, of kind of still providing definition around it. Um, I, th I think the, the go-to for most discipleship pastors is going to be a, a Matthew 28, 18, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, where, where we have Jesus saying all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go mm -hmm. make disciples of all yeah. nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
teaching them to obey everything I've commanded with the promise that he'd be with us always, even to the end of the age. And so mm. I, th- I think that's going to be a, for, for, for a discipleship guy like me, that's going to be the cornerstone. But the reality is <clears throat> most believers have no idea what it takes to make a disciple, mm-hmm. right? Most, most believers barely know what it takes to, to, uh, to, to evangelize someone to become a follower, right? much less what to do after they've made a profession of faith. What do I do next? You know, they kind of check the box at somebody, you know, somebody claimed that they're now a Christian, but they have no idea of, of, a, of a process by which to see someone to the point you made earlier, Chris, being conformed into the very image of Christ. And so part of, part of the role that, that I have is one of trying to set some things up systematically so that people know how to go through a process of doing that so that they can be aware of, I, here's some basic things I need to know. So, so got a guy like Drew comes along and says, Hey, I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Um, well, great. That's, that's wonderful. What, what does it take for Drew now to become a, a follower of Christ? And, and what am I going to do now that I, I'm the one who, who's, who's provided him a, a gospel presentation. The Lord has drawn him unto himself. Now, what am I to provide Drew over the course of the next weeks, months, years ahead that helps him navigate a deeper walk, understanding and faith in Jesus Christ. And so I think at the end of the day, discipleship becomes something more than A, a buzzword, or B, something yeah. that we see happening at a at a coffee shop once a week. You know, it's 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 more it's much more than that. And we and I think we have to know that. But again, wanting to stay with with regard to definition, I I, I provide uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20 there. I, I would I would look at a uh, Matthew 4 uh, uh, 19 and 20, where Jesus says, come and follow me. And I will show you how, how to fish for people. Um, I, I, I like Luke nine twenty three, where yeah. Jesus says, yeah. whoever wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves, take up their cross daily uh, and follow me. So when we want to get into biblical definitions of what it means to be a disciple, it means one who's obeying the commands of God, one who is taking up their cross daily and following Christ, one who is, is, is seeking after God in such a way that they're making others disciples as well. So those are, so those are three things that I would kind of point to biblically Amen, that yeah. help nail down a little bit of what discipleship looks like for someone who's truly a follower of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And that Virgil, thank you, brother. That's, and that's, that's spot on. And, and exactly where I, where I was going next too is uh, especially Matthew four and Luke nine. And um, that that's crucial. I think back to, and that made me think of, you know, I'm reading through, still reading through, I'm taking my time reading through the great awakening. Um, and cause I, I just, I read sections of that and I just have to stop and, and, and try to picture, you know, George Whitfield pr- preaching, to the thousands upon thousands that have gathered and it's saying that he's sick and and can barely speak but the lord gives him strength to be able to, to proclaim and herald uh, the message of the gospel but i think back to guys like in that like gilbert Tennant, um these guys who when people would say uh they would come and they would profess faith in christ the the, the presbyters then would would meet with these professors of uh, saying are you sure and, and looking for, not just initially, but fruit of that. 
They're looking for the evidence uh, of that, that, that heart exchange that is taking place, uh, that has taken place and continues to take place. So, uh, brother, that's, that's absolutely, absolutely spot on. I, was, I also think of Luke 14. Um, I'm reading Dr. Stephen Lawson's book right now, um, The Cost, um, Counting the Cost. And, yeah. um, you know, there in, in Luke 14, it says kind of the same thing. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot yes, be my disciple. Right. So are we in, in discipling, in uh, encouraging growth and maturity in Christ, um, is that something that we're seeing the evidence of, of someone dying to self um, and, and, and turning away from old lifestyle? Uh, I think back to when the Lord saved me and I had friends of mine all the time be like, oh, great. Now you're going to change, man. We're not going to be able to hang out anymore. We're not going to be able to. I'm like, no, no, I'll be the same. Don't worry about it. A month later, I was not hanging out with those guys anymore. Right. Um, I had no desire to. Right. Um, so absolutely, brother. And that's, uh, I, I had a quote uh, from Dr. R.C. Sproul. He said that, uh, quote, he said, disciples are people who have wholeheartedly committed to follow the thinking and conduct of the master. Amen. Such discipleship is a lifelong experience of learning the mind of Christ mm. and following the will of Christ. Submitting ourselves in full obedience to His Lordship. Yeah, very close quote. Yeah, so. yeah. You know, in, in talking about discipleship and and those who would claim to be Christians, right? You know, Virgil, you mentioned someone, uh, you know, uh, coming up to you and saying, "Hey, I'm a Christian." That well, now what do you do? Um, you know, and it, it brought me back to well, discipleship starts with the gospel, um, right? So. You can't follow Christ unless you actually know the person and work That's of it. Christ. Come on, come on. So, so the first thing is explain to me the gospel, um, so that on, so that come you ha- I know that you have an. Where my heaven be at? Where my heaven be at? <laughs> but then, but then it's once you you listen to that, and then you go, okay, now what is your intent in discipleship? Because all throughout the New Testament in the Gospels. What do we see? We see people coming to follow Christ and they look to be disciples, mm-hmm. but they're only after Christ because of what he gives them. Yep. Because once something gets hard, and this is why he says, take up your cross, right? right. The, the road's going to be hard. You've got to carry your instrument of torture with you. So mm. the, as soon as he says something hard and difficult that they don't like, what do they do? Well, they turn around and they walk the other way. They go back to their life of comfort. demonstrating they're not true disciples of Christ. They don't actually want to follow Christ for Christ. They just want him for what he can give them in the moment that they need. No, absolutely, man. I mean, that's, that's the parable of the soils, right? I mean, that's kind of what, 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 what you're dealing, what you're dealing with there. One of the, one of the first things, man, and and I, I I know you're not at the practical point yet, but he he brought up the gospel. And and so I want to, I want to, I kind of want to share with you a little bit of of, of what I do. I, every, you know, I know I'm in a a big church, a big SBC church. Um, We've got folks, you know, all age ranges, you know, ours is an older church. And so we've got some, you know, folks who probably, I'd say, I'd say probably average age somewhere at our church is somewhere between, I'd say 58 and 62, somewhere in there, kind of average age. So it's an older, older congregation. But I've walked in classrooms, man, and just asked, what is the gospel? Mm. 
And I just start there. And, and uh, I've, I've even got, Chris, I don't know if you've seen it, man. I, 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 there's a video that I did. I, I did a street evangelism. Yes. You see that? Yes. Yes. Where, where I walked up to some kids. This is like 2014. I walked up to some kids who were at a concert for, um, I think it was a, it was a, it was a Christian concert, number of different artists. I think Lecrae was there. And of course they had the, the whole one, one, six Romans one I'm unashamed of the gospel. So I literally walked up to kids and I do this at my church. I do this near about everywhere I go. And I just asked them, Hey, I'm a dying man. Don't have long to live. I want to know what it takes to become a believer in Christ. What can you tell me I, I need to do in order to be saved? And uh, you'll be, you, it, it's, it's heartbreaking at times yes. uh, to hear people uh, who have claimed Christianity for quite some time, have absolutely no idea how to articulate uh, the gospel. Yeah. Uh, have no idea how to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. The video that I did um, is, is it's about a five minute video. And I walked around uh, for about, about an hour during that time and picked up different clips from different youth groups from different youth group leaders and, and allowed young people to tell me who are at a Christian concert where the major artist who was there had the, had one, one, six Romans one I'm unashamed of the gospel because it yep. is the power of God unto salvation first to the Jew to the, then to the Greek. That's their moniker and, and kids outside waiting to go into that concert, unable in any way, shape or form to put the sentences together to tell me what I must do to be saved. And so that's that from a standpoint of discipleship, Drew, I love what you what you shared there because that is the basics. That is 101. And and we've got to start there. What are you becoming a disciple of if 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 not uh, of Christ through gospel proclamation? And so I'm always teaching um any new class that I'm in and 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 I share, in fact, this was uh two weeks ago. I was I was teaching some students and I said the gospel is the life, death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. Right. And so it's, it's, it's a nutshell. Right. And, and, and I, I tell them I, during the course of the class, I will say that phrase about 20 times to the point where they get sick of hearing me say that the gospel is the life, death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. I take them to first Corinthians 15, uh, chapter 15, verses three through eight and show them how Paul said, this is a primary importance of all the things that Paul would write to the church at Corinth. He said, this is of primary importance. And then he shared the message of the gospel. And so I summarize what Paul said. I, I, re, I read that to them, summarize what Paul said by saying the gospel is the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin to the point where they're repeating it back. I don't tell them to repeat it, but I keep saying it over and over and over again until they recognize what I'm desiring from them is for them to repeat that. Once they have that, what I tell them is, now you know what the gospel is, but we're not going to stop there. Yeah. Now that you know the gospel is the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, that's important. But I want you to think of that like a, like a coat hanger, like a, clo- like a clothes rack. You're not going to walk up to somebody and say, hey, Drew, life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, and walk away. <laughs> believing that someone is going to come to salvation. Right. But much like I've done when I, whenever I wash clothes, man, and I give this example all the time, my wife hates it. Whenever I, whenever I wash clothes, I go up to the, to the, uh, the, the closet and I dump all the clean clothes out on the floor. Right. And I look around in my closet and I find, okay, my shirts are here. My pants are here. The suits are here. And I take a hanger 
and, and I put each clothing piece on the hanger and I begin to hang it up. Mm-hmm. What I just shared with them is the hanger. Gospel right. is the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. Now that you have the hangers, let's talk about the rest of the closet so that we could put the full nice. color picture right. to this message mm-hmm. of the gospel. God, and it begins with the holiness of God. Yes. It begins with his righteousness. It begins with his goodness. It next moves to the fact that man is sinful. And the question that needs to be asked is, what, is, what does a holy God do with sinful man? The life, death. Now, now God comes, sends his son in, in the personal work of Jesus Christ, who lives a perfect life, dies a death on a cross. And see, I walk them through this message of the gospel mm. so that they can have it with crystal clarity and fullness. You, you ought to see when you do that for someone, the level of confidence that they now have to engage other people uh, in gospel proclamation. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. I mean, because I just taught a class on communicating the gospel. Oh, cool. What you got, bro. And going through each step of the gospel it helps understand why you even need it. Right. Cause, cause you talked about, you know, let's start with that first, that first piece of clothing, right. The life of Christ. Well, in the life of Christ, what comes first, the birth, why is that important? Well, because he had to be fully man so that he can represent us. He had to be fully God so that he could obtain the righteousness to uh by fulfilling the law of god yes in order that when he went to the cross to die in our place we get the imputed righteousness right imputation yes by our faith we are clothed in his righteousness yes our sin is imputed to him so that now when god looks at the cross he sees our sin paid for Yes. And then when he yeah. looks at us, he sees Christ. He doesn't see you know, us. He sees you in Romans five. You in Romans five, all over the place. Come yeah, on, that's right. Yeah. So, so the gospel helps make sense of uh, of who Christ is, but then why we must follow him. Amen. Right. So, so before Christ, apart from Christ, because we're dead, that total depravity depravity that just infects every aspect of our life right we can't fulfill the law we have no desire to Mm. we're we're haters of god right in christ we now have that new heart that new nature where we long for the law of god amen and so we should have an urge to actually seek after the righteousness of christ the holiness of god the law of god those are things that should that should uh, fuel us in order to be more like Christ. So we need to actually rearrange our life, right, in order to be a disciple. Those things that kept us from Christ, well, we need to get rid of those. Because now that's the old nature. That's the old man. The old man needs to die. Why? Because we're now a new creation. Right. We should have new desires, right. new outlook, a new right. focus. Right. Well, absolutely. And, and one of the things that I have uh, that the Lord is, is, is slapped me in the face with is that concept of remembering that because of what Christ has accomplished, because we've been bought with a price, as 1 Corinthians 6 says, Galatians 2.20, um, we are slaves to him. 
Mm-hmm. Like, and, 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 and it needs to be That's said it. that way. Yes. We need to yeah. use that word. And I love what Dr. MacArthur has done in, in a recent sermon that he preached and talking about the fact that we are slaves of Christ. And whenever you see doulos in the Greek, it's not servant. It's not right. bond servant. We don't need to shy away from that right. because right. of the socioeconomic issues that we're having right now. But we need to remember that that because of the gospel, because of the price that Christ paid on our behalf, we are not ours. We've been freed from the slavery of sin and for the slavery of righteousness, Romans tells us. So so in, in being a disciple, um, yes, it starts with the gospel. And, and, and I love what kind of the ground we've covered in the fact that, um, that, that we take up our cross. We carry the instrument of our death each and every day, mortifying the sin in the flesh. Why? Because we are slaves to the best master we, that, that, that has ever been and ever will be. So we constantly do die to ourselves. And I, I think about, you know, uh, I think about some of the things that, that I've seen and heard from, from other, other churches and, and pastors. And, and, and Virgil, that's why I love so much of what you've shared today, because, uh, you know, the, the pastor's job um, and the elder's job is to shepherd the flock. Um, Paul desired that for the church and, uh, and, 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 and for all the churches that he started and pastored. I mean, Galatians 4.19, he says, my children with whom I am again in labor, like child pain, child labor, uh, a mother bearing her children. I'm in labor uh, until Christ is formed in you. There it is. Um, and, and that's that needs to be the desire. And, and again, right, we, we've talked about this on the show a lot. And, and uh, Virgil, I've heard you and Daryl say this, too. The, the qualifications for elders and deacons uh, and, and pastors and bishops that we find in the pastoral epistles, yes, are the qualifications for those specific men. But because those men set the standard for each of us. And each of us should be seeking to disciple uh, those in our care in this way, whether it's husbands to your wife and your ch- your children, um, leaders in the church. I mean, the book of Titus walks through old, older men discipling younger men, older women discipling younger women. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, and again, one more quote, and then I'll turn it back over to you guys. Dr. John MacArthur said, no one is truly fit to lead the church if he is indifferent about holiness or if he neglects to instruct and encourage his people in a wholehearted pursuit of sanctification. And that's from his book, Sanctification, God's Passion for His People. So I'll just kind of pause there and let you guys. No, I think think all those things, I think all those things were were, were spot on. I mean, that's the, that's really the the framework that we get um, in in Paul's letters, right? Whether it's the church in Ephesus, whether it's the church in, uh, the churches in, in, in Galatia or Colossae or what have you, every time he, he's writing to them, he first begins with, with the beauty of the gospel that they've been called into, right? Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 walks us through the very goodness of God and that he saved us, right? He redeemed right. us before the foundation of the world. He predestined us to be adopted, to be mm-hmm. blameless before him, to be holy I'm blameless before him in love. He predestines us. You know, we have all of that in chapter one. We identify who we are in chapter two. We're dead in sin and trespasses. We're a train wreck mess, right? By grace, we're saved through faith. He reconciles us unto himself. And then in, in the back half of chapter two, 
He reconciles us one to another, right? Yeah, we, we, don't, yes. we don't need social justice. The gospel is sufficient to reconcile us right yeah. there at the back half of, of, of Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter three, this, this mystery of the gospel, this was not made known at, in the way that, is, it, it, that it's being revealed as Paul expresses it, right? The, 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 the saints of old had no idea that the Gentiles were to be a part of this plan of God for salvation. And then chapters four, five, and six of Ephesians begin to set out. Now that you know this, now that That's you've right. lived this way, you must therefore live in a manner worthy of the call that you've been given. Mm -hmm. And all of that is about our discipleship. We, mm -hmm. you could, I, I, I teach this to, to young couples and young people all the time. If, if Once you've come to faith in Christ, you could live you, the rest of your life in Ephesians uh, chapters one through six, uh, and, and not not have to go anywhere else from a standpoint of, of, of holy living, of righteous mm -hmm. living, uh, living a, a fulfilled walk uh, in Christ himself. And so that's one of, one of the reasons why I, I point to that. But I, I think it goes back, Chris, to what you said about, you know, now that we've now that we come to this salvation, this is how we live as a result. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, and I. I uh, some of the things I wrote down, uh, one passage in particular, Virgil, was Ephesians 4, um, you know, and, and again, I mean, it, it's that, that whole section right there also speaks to the unity uh, of the spirit. Um, but, and, and, but Paul's saying, and he gave some as, as uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Why? for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ mm -hmm. until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the same stature, which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Right. Um, and then I, I think also too, to, and it's funny how Paul does that, right? Uh, Paul does that in, in just about all, all his epistles. Um, but Colossians, um, Colossians three, um, you know, he's, he's gone through, uh, Colossians one talking about the, uh, the, the preeminence of Christ and the inheritance is coming Colossians two, of course, uh, mirrors Ephesians two, uh, in a great deal. And then you get to Colossians three and it's all about putting on the new self, dying to these things, putting off the old self and being renewed, uh, and setting your mind on the things of heaven. That's right. Um, so because that that that's the point. The point is, and, you know, man, Daryl, Daryl started this morning with a tweet that punched me in the gut uh, mm -hmm. about taking captive every thought for the glory of Christ. Yeah. Um, and 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 that's that's where being his slave starts is with your thought life. Mm -hmm. um, and then it proceeds out from there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. So uh, let's see. So, I, I mean. So, Virgil, let me ask you a question, man. Do you guys do um, uh, small groups uh, there at Westside? Yeah, we do. We've got, like I mentioned earlier, pre-COVID, we had about 95 groups okay. uh, across three campuses. And um, it's, it, that whole part is, is, is interesting because I, while I think, uh, I think groups are, are critical, uh, I, I think they're, they're a critical component of discipleship. They are not the end all be all of discipleship. Uh, and I think far too often um, people have the tendency to think, oh, I'm in a small group, so I'm being discipled. Right. Um, and and not, not, the, the small group provides a, a catalyst, provides kind of an opportunity for discipleship to take place. 
but but if if your thought is I'm in a group at a church, I'm being discipled, uh, you might you might be. Um, that that may be happening. Um, but but the reality is it there there may not it may not be happening. So let me let me kind of put some some meat around the bones of that. Yeah. I, I think it's great to show up once a week to with a group of folks that you you know, find in common and that you, what you, what the phrase that you'll hear people say is that I'm, I'm doing life with these people. Right. Um, yeah. and, and what they really mean, what they really mean by that is they're showing up to a class once a week and seeing some friends and calling it good. Right. right. That's kind of what they mean by we're doing life together. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe the, maybe the girls in the group will go to a, you know, a ladies night out, maybe the guys will go watch a movie or go fishing or something. And, and they say, Hey, we're doing life together. Right. And, and, and again, I'm not against any of that stuff. I think sure, that's sure. incredibly important, mm-hmm. but man, if you, if you're not gathering and having conversations about the word of God, if you're not gathering and having honest conversations about sin and about mm-hmm. repentance and about what you need to do to be a better husband, uh, what, what she needs to do to be a better wife and, 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 and not comparing notes with, with girlfriend down the street, but you're opening up the word of God and examining your life against that backdrop. Mm-hmm. That's true discipleship. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's when rubber meets the road. Yeah. Fellowship is not discipleship. Right. Yeah. yeah. But you, you know, you, you bring up something that's really good because uh, we see now a lot of churches using this small group model. Um, and, the, and, you know, I agree there's nothing wrong with the small group model and, and using that, you know, going back to, to G3 a couple years ago, uh, Chris was with me. We went and talked to, uh, to Ann Lawson and yeah. I was talking to her trying to get some, some ideas um, on teaching my wife. And the first thing she said was, well, is she in a women's group? And I said, no, she's not. And she said, well, get her in a women's group. Uh, And so she's in a women's group um, and, you know, and they, they come to our house or they go somewhere and, but they're going through a Bible study and, and they're talking about these things. And that's good because sometimes there's things that they can communicate to her that I'm not like it, it, it just gets lost in translation. Right. right? But at the same time, my wife's first contact of discipleship should be me. Right. It it should be good because I get um, people asking me all the time, like, you know, uh, women, because they know that women shouldn't go to seminary because they, they're not going to be pastors. So there's no point, but how do you get Bible training? Well, first it comes from your husband that that's where the first place it comes from after but but the primary before that is the church it comes from the church and what what sticks in my mind because discipleship should be happening from the pulpit right so you mentioned all all those kids that go to to those concerts and stuff that can't that don't know the 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 gospel well it's because they're not being taught the gospel from the pulpit they don't know um right so but what comes into my mind when I think about discipleship is I think about Richard Baxter and the reformed pastor because, and I've referenced this several times on, on this show, Mm -hmm. but I mean, this was a guy of what, 800 people in his congregation and every day he went to three or four families, met with them, prayed with them, went through scripture with them and catechized them. Right. Just to make sure because they're under his care. So he's doing everything he can to make sure they are equipped, leaving no stone unturned. 
No, I, bro, I totally agree with that. I appreciate the example because that's how I feel. I feel like, man, if there's a, if there's a group under, under my care and they don't know some of the basics, man, that's on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've, I've absolutely failed them as, as a leader. And so, you know, I'm, I'm always super proud when I see and hear those who've been under my pastoral care uh, sharing truth in the way that it, it should be. Right. I, that's my expectation, you know, and, and if, if I heard them say something that was sideways, I'd, I'd probably call them up mm-hmm. and say, hey, what's going on? And I, and I would hope someone else who cared enough about me would would do the same. I know mm-hmm. if Chris heard me say something sideways, he'd be like, bruh, I heard you on that podcast. <laughs> no, he, he would. You know how I know? Because we were talking about Twitter earlier today and I sent Chris something that I posted and he said, man, I think you should take that down. Yeah. And I yeah. took it down and I changed it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I know him well enough to know that he would definitely, definitely tell me, but I, man, I, I totally, I totally agree. I, one of the things that, that I did differently this year as a discipleship pastor is uh, that you've got a lot of women's groups and, and I'm always concerned with the level of theological education yeah. uh, with when, when women are leading other women. And so I really kind of took it upon myself as, a, as new groups began to form is for, for me to be the one to go in and actually lead the, 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 the ladies teaching component for a period uh, until I, I was able to raise up some other le- leaders uh, that could that I, that I felt confident enough that they understood maybe some basics of, of systematic theology, maybe some basics and 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 kind of a biblical a basic biblical hermeneutic. Um, we use David Helm's book, One to One Bible Reading. We use the Coma Method, context, observation, meaning, application. So once I know that they've got some of those basic biblical hermeneutics down, uh, I can I can kind of set, set some leaders up and, and begin walking away knowing that they're, that they're not all going to get together and read a verse and go, what does this mean to me? Right. And, and that and that they're going to they're going to actually figure out what it actually means in its context, mm. what it actually meant in, in, in its time, have a ba- basic background of the historical nature of of what took place during the time frame so that they can have a proper biblical hermeneutic. So, but yeah, I, I agree though with you. I think two things should happen. One, you know, men should, men, men should be in those spaces leading elders should be in those spaces, leading uh, those women's groups, Amen. making sure that they're solidly on a good foundation. But, but at the end of the day, I, I'm, I'm a lot of those women who will have questions. Uh, I'm, I'm encouraging them, Hey, go talk with your husband. Uh, he should he should know Love this it. and not have, have him have him call me and then we can all talk through that together. And mm. so that's kind of a, a way to make sure that, that the proper discipleship of the women is actually taking place. Yeah, brother, thank you for saying that. And just as a side, I mean, there's so much nonsense out there as far as Bible studies that you can do. And I put those in air quotes um, uh, and, and by by some questionable teachers. Um, so, so man, e- equipping, uh, you as a discipleship pastor seeking to equip, um, the, the, the women of, of your church, the students of your church, um, with, with a proper biblical hermeneutic, uh, brother, that, that is spot on. And didn't you take them through knowing God too? Yeah. Yeah. I took those ladies through knowing God. That was the first book we opened up. That's awesome. I just, I, I think Chris, it's to the point that, that, that you're, you're alluding to, which is, 
there's so many different things that they can get into. There's so many books that yeah. kind of show the ego for the ladies and, you know, right. you're, you're, you're queen, you're this, you're, mm-hmm. you're beautiful. And, and all those things are wonderful and true. But at the end of the day, they fall flat when compared to the majesty and the beauty of, and the holiness of God. And so my thought is if I could get them off of looking at self and get them focused on looking at the beauty, the majesty, the value and worth of the creator of all things that they would be much better off. And, and I'm telling you, once those ladies have gotten onto that, they, their, their hunger for rich, deep, robust theology is, is unquenched. I mean, God, God yeah. by his spirit does what he does. And they, now, now, now you couldn't go in with a fluff and puff book, you know, right. and, 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 and try to hand that to those women. They would look at you like, like something was wrong with you. So, right. yeah. Amen, brother. Amen. That's how, you know, you've made progress. When you try to hand them a fluff book and the women of your church go, you know what? You need to go home. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what you want to have happen, man. That's exactly what you want to have happen. Good choice so of words, proud, Drew. So proud of, those, so proud of those women. I was in a, in a conversation that the two ladies who, who are, are kind of leading it were, asking me about book recommendations and we're looking at things and they're, they're, they're looking at, uh, that at RC Sproul's holiness of God to do oh. next. And mm. they've walked through the book of Ephesians together. So they're, 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 wow. and, and one of the things I'll, I'll add in this space is I, uh, how important I think it is. I know that a lot of guys, you know, guys kind of get, you know, apologetics. We kind of, you know, mm. kind of, yeah, you know, we're getting, that, we're getting that kind of man thing with the apologetics. And then, and then the brilliant guys like Drew, they do, they, they, they do textual criticism know, right. and leave guys like me in the dust. I just kind of shake my head at that. But, but what's, what's been powerful is to, is to see these women latch on the theology. And why, one of the reasons why I encourage it as much as I do among women, and I've shared this with these ladies is because they they're in a space where they're they they have more opportunities because of just the nature of their, their their communal nature they have more they'll have more opportunities to have interactions with other women who are going to be sharing with them their 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 heartaches their heartbreaks the situation they could they could take a a a you know a day out with the girls at a lunch into a a, 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 a conversation and, and where they're, 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 they're consulting each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're, there's, they're, they're really engaged in conversation uh, that, that really ministers to their souls. Uh, they could take a play date with a bunch of kids and the kids are off playing. And then the two ladies are there and they're in in-depth conversation about real life matters um, and, and, and are, and are really dealing with, with issues. And so, I think it's important because all of them are involved in counseling at some degree that they're counseling one another with rich theology and with what God's word says about, about the issue. So. Amen. I love that brother. I love that. Well, uh, Drew, you got anything else, man? Um, yeah. Uh, you, you know, cause I know, well, I know Virgil mentioned kind of the average age, uh, in his church is about, uh, 58 to 60, right around in there. And hearing that, it took me back to something John MacArthur said, but it was about, uh, and this was years ago, um, about those older men, right, taking someone younger under their wing and basically training them along the way, right? And then I I heard Dr. MacArthur say one time, you know, people will always, he'll suggest that to people. 
uh, and they'll say, well, I'm, you know, I'm a newer Christian. I don't know all this. And he says, you know what? There's always a newer Christian than you. That's right. So what you know, teach that person what you've, what you know, and then you're walking through it together, growing together. Um, so, I mean, it, it, those who are listening, if you're an older man in a church and you're not discipling someone, right. Uh, a high school guy, right. In your church or even a college age guy, pull them aside, say, Hey, I'd like to walk with you and teach you these things of scripture teach you theology uh, because yes that's what you know supposed to be happening at youth groups uh it's supposed to be happening from the pulpit but there's something about where there's kind of that one-on-one -on -one, right like we were just talking about with with the women's studies where you're one-on-one -on -one and you're getting into the text and then all of a sudden god becomes magnified yeah christ becomes elevated and then now it's, it's more of an encouragement to seek after Christ with everything I have rather than just part of what I have. Well, and Drew's kind of speaking to that. I've been I'm coming up on finishing my 30 day kind of just reading through Titus every day. And, uh, and so this is fresh on my mind. And so check out what Paul says to Titus. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love and perseverance. And then, and then in verses three, uh, four, and five, uh, Paul addresses the older women um, and how they are to teach to the younger uh, women. But then he gets back to the young men and what the older men are to be taught by the older women. And check this out. Likewise, urge young men to be sensible. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity Mm -hmm. or uh, in the New American Standard, or as Daryl likes to say, the non-Armenian Standard Bible. I uh, had to throw that in, Virgil, sorry. Um, the, uh, uh, with, with purity in doctrine, that literally translates into soundness in doctrine mm -hmm. and dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach so that the opponent will be put to shame having nothing bad to say about us. Yeah. So, so to, Drew, to your point and to what Dr. MacArthur was saying, that's absolutely right. It's, it's who, as a believer, Christian, as a believer, who are you discipling? Right, right. Who's discipling you and who are you discipling? And, and if, if you can't speak to either one of those, then some corrections need to be made. And who are uh, you allowing to disciple you? Oh, bro. I'll, I'll say, I, I mean, I'll say this, bro. you know, even us, you know, we may look and say, you know, he's a, ma a mature Christian or he, or she's a mature Christian, but there's still more to grow. Always. You're never Lifelong. done. Paul said, it's not as though I have achieved it. So pressing on straining, forward. pressing yeah. on, we still need to have people disciple us all the way through to the end uh to really till we reach glory we're never yeah. done one one of the things i try to do just from a practical standpoint is and i i completely agree with what 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 you guys have, have read and said and, and and the like one of the things that i'm finding though is that more and more if you run into these men and i know you guys have probably heard dr Gody bacham talk about this that that you know christianity is one of the only spaces and places where someone can make a claim that they've been a, a believer uh, for 20 plus years, 30 plus years. And when asked to go give advice to someone who's a brand new Christian, it's fashionable or cool or hip or acceptable to say, well, I ain't no teacher. 
I'm not, I'm not, right. I'm not, a, I'm not a discipler, right? Any, any, uh, Vody makes the, Vody makes the, 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 the remark that in any other area, uh, if you said that you had 20 years of experience as a plumber, 30 years of experience right. as a plumber, right. and someone come to, came along and said, Hey, I, why don't you teach me what you know? And if you said, well, I don't, I don't know, have a clue how to, how to be a plumber. You'd be looked at as, as crazy, absolutely mm -hmm. crazy, but yeah. it's only in Christianity and in yeah. Christian schools where that's the case. Yeah. You'd be, you'd be looked at as a fraud, but you absolutely. can't, but you can't say right. that in Christianity. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. So one of the things that I've tried to do, is I've tried to empower uh, these, these older men to be in these circles. So here's what's happening in the church. What's happening is we've, we've lent ourselves to Caesar. Uh, we, we've lent ourselves to the idea that we're supposed to be in these age-segregated spaces for discipleship. So when you come to a church, your thought process is, okay, I'm between 20 and 30. So I need to go to the class where the 20s and 30 year olds are. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm between 30 and 40. So I need to go to the class where the 30 and 40 years old are. Okay, I'm 65. Okay, so I need to go to the 65 and over class. When, when biblically speaking, that, that's, a, that's a messed up, there's, there's no biblical framework. That's a mm -hmm. false ecclesiology. That's not that's how- right not how Christianity is designed to be. Yeah. So what I've tried to do is I've tried to provide environments, especially once I got there, where there were people of, of multi-generational uh, folks interacting with one another for the very purpose of what you, Chris, just talked about in, in, in Titus. And, and one of the ways that I try to invite older adults into the conversation is by asking them what they think. And when I ask them what they think, I want them to anchor it biblically. Mm -hmm. So it's not just your opinion, your life experience. Hey, what do you think biblically speaking would be said about this situation? And invite them to open their Bible, to share from scripture an idea. And whatever that idea is, even if it's the smallest little thing, I'm encouraging. Mm. I'm like, hey, that is great. That is awesome. Until they get their kind of the, the training wheels off begin digging into the word and providing the proper uh, teaching that they should as a result of knowledge, because they, they've been in church services for years. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll say this and, and, and I'll shut up because I can go on about this forever, but oh, man, you good. <laughs> I, I, I was in a class and a class of some older adults. And what I did was I went around the room. There were 15 people in the room. I went around the room and I asked them how many years they had been a believer. And so they told me. And so I wrote uh, all of these times on the board, I, you know, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 30 years. And then I, and then I took my calculator and I, I punched all the numbers in and I wrote a big 735 years, wow. right? So I said, so in this classroom, what we have is 735 years of Christian experience in this room of, of believers who have spent time listening to sermons for the course of 735 years combined. Man. Now, if that kind of theological education is in this room, there is not a question that could be raised by culture that should not be able to be answered biblically from you people sitting in this room. Let me be clear. Mm. Now, once they saw that and heard me lay that charge, you should have seen their faces. Mm -hmm. <laughs>
they were in shock and, and I wanted them to be. And every time I went back to that class, what it did for them, the benefit of doing that was it forced them to realize all this sitting in a class, idly soaking up this stuff, letting it go in one ear and out the other and not anchoring it for the purpose of what we're talking about, which is disciple making, right? Is, 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 is a foolish endeavor yeah. and that they need to stop it immediately, that they've got something to share with someone and, and it's important for them to do so. Yeah. Amen. Well, brother, and then, and that, 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 I, you know, I wrote this, this passage of scripture down to reference back to it, not knowing when and, uh, and if I would be able to, but the, but, uh, you know, that, that's a great reminder for all of us. And, and Hebrews 5, the end of Hebrews 5, leading into Hebrews 6, um, when, when the writer of Hebrews says, for, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. Yes. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. Mm-hmm. But solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. And then leading into chapter six, therefore leaving the elementary teachings about Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of instruction about washing and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Grow up. We all need to grow up and helping others to do the same. Yep, that's right. Yep. I mean, I, you know, listening to you read that passage, it makes me think of we've got a lot of people in the church now that claim to be ma- mature Christians, but they're really still living on their mom's basement, right? You know, <laughs> of spirituality. That's where they are. It's time to get up, get a job, and get on your own, right? Mm-hmm. By, and that's the thing, man. You just said it in that passage. By now, you ought to be teachers. Yeah. Yep. And now everyone's going to progress to that form sure, of teacher sure, sure. differently. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, just like Virgil, when when you talked about that seven combined seven hundred and thirty years of Christian experience, somebody in that room should have been progressed to a teacher. And they Absolutely. and and when you describe the look on their faces, I could just think someone was thinking. He's probably going to ask me to teach something, yep. you know, yep. <laughs> and yep. it, but you should, and you should want to, right. right. And, and right. it's like Dr. Dr. Lawson uses this analogy. You shouldn't be a desert. Right. Cause nothing grows there. Right. You shouldn't be a swamp where, where stuff comes in and then it sits and it festers and then it breeds bacteria because right. nothing good grows in a swamp. You should be a rushing river where everything that comes into you then rushes out of you. There should be an urgency with it to train and teach others. Yes. I mean, that, Drew, I know you, you mean, you, you're a student of apologetics. And the only way that you can be a good one is by doing what you just said. I mean, the, the only way that you can, the only way I ever learned how to evangelize, the only way mm-hmm. I ever learned how to navigate questions, curious questions about faith was because I learned it and then I went out somewhere and engaged yeah. culture and, and we had a conversation about That's right. it. That was the only way that it, that it stuck. I remember being on the street corner and having studied about, uh, about the, the Jehovah's Witnesses and uh, I hadn't used it in a long time because that's not one you pull out every day. Only on Saturdays. Right, right. 
Like you got your secular humanism, you got your atheism, that's in your hip pocket. You mm -hmm. pull that out real quick. When the witness comes up, you're like, oh snap, I remember that study somewhere. Right? <laughs> and so she came up and I was trying to remember, trying to remember, and I had a few pieces, but I didn't have the whole thing put together. But the beauty of that interaction was, even though I didn't have it all put together, was it forced me to remember, oh, I need to go back and study that mm -hmm. so that I can bring it back to my remembrance. Right be ready the next time the opportunity presents itself right right and so the, the only the only way you do that is, is by continuing to have conversations yeah. interactions and engage people about this subject matter that's the beauty of doing a podcast right i don't know how often you guys are weekly or if you yeah, guys are monthly yeah. but that, that's the beauty of doing a podcast you're forced to remember these things that's the beauty of of daryl and i doing what we do is as consistently or inconsistently as we do it is is it, it forces us to go back and and deal with the content matter and then having a, a, you know, interview after interview after right. interview where we find ourselves fortunately saying uh, answering a lot of the same questions over and over and over again so mm -hmm. yeah it's well and never before you know never before in my lifetime speaking speaking to that and is you know with what we see going on in culture uh, especially in 2020 um never before has the importance of doing what what peter said to do uh in his epistle always be prepared to sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts first and foremost, but then you're always prepared to give defense for the hope that you have with gentleness, but be prepared. You know, uh, Paul and, and tells Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Um, and never before has it been more important for a believer to be able to do what, what Charles Haddon Spurgeon said when it comes to discernment. He said, discernment isn't the difference between knowing right and wrong. It's the difference between knowing right and almost right. Mm -hmm. So, so you got you have to be prepared. You, absolutely, brothers. Absolutely. Yep. Well, cool. That's it, man. I like it. I like it. I think this was a a, a great discussion on discipleship, yeah. um, and we are thankful that uh, that Virgil Walker took the time to oh, come yeah. on our show. Yeah. Um, maybe now you know we'll we'll get two downloads instead of just my mom, you know? Uh, so. Well, three, I mean, I download them. Too, oh, that's so. true. That's true. Yeah. Right. <laughs> See, I don't even listen to our own show, right? right. <laughs> but we hope you guys are hearing how important discipleship is to the local body. Mm. Uh, you cannot grow into a mature Christian if it's just you. You right. grow into a mature Christian if you're not actually being taught the things of Scripture. So I would encourage you, seek out someone to disciple you. Don't seek out just a men's group to go and watch sports, right? right. Fellowship is not discipleship. Women, don't seek out a group to just go talk about selling Rodan and Field and call it discipleship and Bible study, okay? <laughs> Get a solid Bible study, and there's, there's plenty of them out Absolutely. there. So you don't have to pick a bad one, okay? <laughs> uh, but get in the Word together. Husbands, disciple your wives. Yeah. Pastors, disciple your congregation. Please. Elders, take a group of men disciple them train train them up to be elders that's right that way you can send them out to be pastors this is how the local church works that's right 
So those are my closing thoughts. I'll let you guys give your closing thoughts. No, I just want to say thanks guys for having me, man. It's an honor to be, be with you guys. And uh, Drew, I need that hat, brother. That's a good <laughs> Right. 1689. Yeah, yeah. You know, just, what? Ho- just holler at your boy, whatever, you know, whatever I need to do, let me know. I, <laughs> you know, I'll try, I'll try to get one sent out to you. That'd be a beautiful day in the neighborhood, man. <laughs> Listen, honor, honor to connect with you guys, man, anytime uh, that, that you want me and I'm available. Let's make it happen. I'm always, always, uh, always wanting to connect with you, man. So I appreciate awesome. your brother, work. We, we appreciate that, brother. We, we appreciate again, the work that uh, you and, and Daryl are doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for just thinking, we uh, we we point uh, all of our listeners to you guys often, and uh, we'll continue to. And brother, thank you. Uh, and I know that uh, I hope you get this there at Westside, but thank you for what you're doing there to shepherd the flock of God that have been that has been given to you uh, as 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 a mercy of God. So, brother, thank you for your example in that, man. Yep. Amen. Well, with that, we're gonna get out of here. We're gonna check you guys on the next one. <laughs>